Hello, Laura here, just giving you a heads up that Carrie mentions that her second child is a product of rape. She considered placing him for adoption, but after some very personal experiences, which she asked me to edit out, she decided to raise her son. I also mentioned having suicidal thoughts. I'm doing much better now that I am not chronically sleep deprived. I thought I should mention these things ahead of time in case any of them are a sensitive topic for you. Carrie and I are both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and there is a lot of church jargon I thought I should explain ahead of time. A ward is the local congregation, a bishop is the leader of that local congregation, a stake is a slightly larger area that encompasses a bunch of local wards, a stake president is the leader of the stake, The temple is a sacred building that is closed on Sundays. It's for use during the week for more spiritual guidance and depth and connection. Carrie mentions going to the temple to help her make a big decision. That is a common practice among members. Um, If they're trying to make a really big decision, going to the temple can help clear thoughts and receive needed guidance. When Carrie says, this side of the veil or the other side of the veil, That is referring to our belief that we are beings before we're born and after we die. So this side of the veil is our mortal life, and the other side of the veil refers to the pre-mortal life or afterlife, depending on the context. Sealed together means that the family unit is bound and connected even after death, and Relief Society is the women's organization within the church. Okay, that should be it. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today's guest is a lady who loves dogs, playing the flute. She's an amazing flautist, and she loves long, dangly earrings. She is snarky and sassy, and I love her for it. She has five kids between the ages of 16, or who are the ages 16, 13, 11, 8, and 5. So please welcome my friend who I met in Tempe, Carrie Webster. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Okay. So, um, did you always know that you wanted kids? I did. From the time I was little, I wanted to be a mom. Aw, sweet. Yeah. How old were you when you became a mom? I was, I was a month shy of being 25. Okay. And how, yeah. how did your age affect your mothering? Or did it? Um, I don't think my age did. I no, I don't think my age did at all. Okay. The other factors did. <laughs> sure. Okay, like what? Um, I was married to somebody who was not interested in being a dad. Oh, boo. And so, like I came home from the hospital after having my oldest and I had to go to the grocery store. What? So I 
came home and I looked in the fridge and there was nothing in the fridge. And so I put my baby back in the car and went to the grocery store. Oh my goodness. So that's how much he didn't want to be a dad. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's just the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. So (laughs) that was with your oldest. How, because I know that you are not with him now. No, I divorced him before my oldest was a year old. Oh, okay. So I became a single mom before my oldest was even a year old. Gotcha. Okay. That sounds hard. It was what needed to happen. My my husband liked to be mean. So yeah. I went ahead and got rid of him. Good. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't need that. And your oldest didn't need that. No, I don't put up with BS very well. So at different points in your mothering journey, you've had to be a single mom and not, and you were married. So what mm-hmm. is the difference or was there a difference? Did it affect your mothering when you were married versus when you were a single mom? I've actually been a single mom more than I've had a partner um, in my 16 years of mothering. Um, no, because my second husband, he, he's good at, he was good at, and still is good at the dad part, but he's not great at the, at the father part, at the parenting part. Okay. I think I know what you mean. So he's really good at buying them stuff and like giving them baths and stuff and putting them into bed and reading them stories. But when it comes to like discipline and, you know, right now I, all three of my boys are really struggling in school and they're really struggling with grief over losing their grandma and that kind of stuff. He doesn't want anything to do with. Oh. He does he doesn't want to talk with them. He doesn't want to parent them. He doesn't want to discipline them. He doesn't want to do any of that. So I've had to do all of that for the whole 16 years. I had help with my mom and dad for a long time, but my mom passed and my dad has kind of stepped back. Cause I feel, I think he feels like, you know, he's really old and he thinks he's going to die. And he wants to make sure that they're completely okay without him as well oh your dad and and so I've had to really step up and really pay attention and really parent because I'm now 100% on my own yeah and you've always lived near your parents right yeah yeah we're like 12 houses away from my parents wow that's real so close that sounds like yeah so fun it's it has been a lot of fun My kids run back and forth and ride their scooters back and forth. And they like to go and do jigsaw puzzles with grandpa. And they like to run over when my, my mom had Alzheimer's and she had forgotten who we were, but she still had a personality and she loved seeing my kids. And so my kids would run over and they would just give her hugs and say, hi, grandma. And they'd say, you know, my name is, what are my kids' names? I don't even know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Andrew. Hi, Grandma. I'm Andrew. And I'm here. You know, I just wanted to give you a hug and show you what I drew today or whatever. And she loved it. And so they did that until the day she died. That's so sweet. So, I'm yeah. so sorry for your loss because your mom passed about six, seven months ago. Seven months ago. So thank you. Yeah. It sounds like you were really close with her. Yeah. We were friends. Um, my mom, I was her baby. And we traveled a lot together. And so because we traveled a lot together, we had become friends. Because, you know, that relationship when you're an adult and you spend that kind of time with your mom and your dad. My dad and I are buds. And um, we've, we became buddies. We became friends. We were travel partners. We sat on airplanes for 15 hours at a time. And we, you know, you just become that friend. And, um, yeah, we were buds. Did your relationship with your mom change after you had your kids, after you became a mom? Um, it did, uh, because she kind of became my co-parent. Oh, right, because you were single parenting for so much. I was, I was a single parent, and my mom and dad became my co-parents. And, you know, they were picking the kids up at school when I was working, or they were... Um, you, we ate dinner over there a lot because I was working or, you know, so they became my co-parents. There was a time when mom had to go to parent teacher conferences because I was working. So they, they were my co-parents. Even after I married my second husband, <laughs> they were still my co-parents. Wow. So, you know, it, they were just, yeah. Very involved. That's, it sounds like such a blessing to have them so close and that they could do that with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like in a way that was just the way it was supposed to be, you know, I, I never saw being a single mom as a, as a harder thing than having a spouse, maybe because I never had a decent spouse. I don't know. And so People out, oh my gosh, you're a single mom with five kids. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't get them all at once. You know, mm -hmm. I had one to begin with and I conquered that. And then I had two and we got okay with that. And then we had mm -hmm. a Isaac. And then, you know, it's not like somebody threw five babies on my doorstep at once sure. and I was a single mom. So it got easy. You know, it wasn't, it was just the way life was. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, you so, don't you don't wake up one day and find five kids at your doorstep between the ages of 16 <laughs> <exactly>. and five. <laughs> That's true. Mm -hmm. Did your parenting change at all um, after each kid? Or was there a transition with each new kid? My parenting changed as they got older. Yeah, babies are babies. They sleep, they eat, they poop, they, you know. I'm finding the difficult parts are starting. Oh, in the teenage years? In the teenage years, in the tween years, in the little girl turned eight years. <laughs> um, yeah, it's starting to get hard. Um, I've got two middle boys that are 
just attitudinally challenged and don't want to do anything and <sighs> give me lip and huh. I've got a 16 year old that's not doing well and he was been a straight A student in his entire life and all of a sudden this year he's failing everything oh boy um the two middle ones are failing everything right now too oh that sounds so hard uh Mary is just attitude oh my gosh attitude um Will's fine. He's fine. <laughs> but yeah, I'm finding that the hard parts are now. Wow. And they're starting. And, you know, you try to figure out what do you change? How do you make it click in their head? How do you turn their brains back on? How do you engage them again? I think all of them are dealing with their grief. Um, I think it's been a crappy year because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I think being stuck in the house and not being able to click with friends and all of it has just combined to make this weird mental status that none of them can get out of. And so I've got activities for all of them this summer. They're all going to go somewhere and do something and be in a different place. And hopefully, I don't know. It's the only thing I could come up with. I've changed Andrew and Isaac's school. They're going to go to a different school that's a completely different structure that does completely different things that challenges them in different ways it's not a traditional sit down and write your work so hopefully and those are the so tanner is your oldest tanner's my oldest and He's then in high school mm -hmm. and then how old are andrew and andrew isaac and again? isaac andrew's 13 and okay. isaac's 11 gotcha. they're both in junior high that's a hard time anyway yeah yeah, I remember junior high. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It was really hard. Oh boy, yeah. I would never want to go back to middle school. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind going. Well, I, I would mind going back to high school, but if I had to do something over again, I would rather do high school over again rather than middle school because oh boy, agreed. <laughs> you're so gangly and weird in junior high, and you're you Bunch know your hormones and, are yeah. weird, and so yeah, yeah. And then we'll on top see. of COVID and losing their grandma, who they were super close to. Oh boy. Yeah, that's hard. Did becoming a mom change how other people treated you? Like once you had kids, was that a transition? Or let me back it up actually. Um, was it a hard transition just to become, like step into the role of mom? I don't think so. Because I had wanted to be a mom for so long. You know, I had been told when I was 16 that I'd never have a baby. What? Why? Um, if you don't mind I asking. had, I have, <laughs> I have really bad endometriosis. Oh, no. And um, when I was 16, I had to have my uterus raped. And then I had to have oh, it done no. again when I was 21. Oh, my goodness. And my doctor had just said, just know that you'll probably never be able to carry a baby. Wow. And then when I got pregnant, 
I walked into his office and I was like, sup, bud? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, it's called the practice of medicine, Carrie. <laughs> I was just like, well, let's see what happens. And yeah. Wow. The Lord wanted me to have these kids for some reason. I don't know why. Because I'm not qualified. I don't feel qualified. <laughs> I don't think anybody feels qualified, but. Yeah, that's true. You learn as you go. Yeah, that's true. That's you take true. advice where you can get it and you decide whether it's for you or not. And you either file it away or you discard it. And I. You know, when I had my first baby, he wasn't sleeping through the night and he was just horrible. And my cousin called me and I was complaining to him and he, he was like, I'm sending you a book. And I said, okay, like, read it. And I, so I got this book two days later and I read it and I started doing what it said. And Tanner was sleeping 12 hours a night in like a week. Whoa. Holy moly. And I was like, oh, good advice. I'm keeping that one. <laughs> I was like, and so I started doing what it said with Andrew when he was born. And by six weeks old, he was sleeping through the night. Wow. And I was like, sweet. And so I sleep trained all my babies from the day they were born. And all of them slept through the, slept through the night by six weeks old. Wow. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. That sounds like it would be super helpful, one, because sleep is so important. But two, like if you're the only parent, how are you going to function without any sleep? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was probably the biggest lifesaver as a single parent was being able to have that sleep every night. Yeah. Super important. Because when I'm tired, <laughs> you can ask my children and it's pretty. It ain't pretty at all. Yeah, it's not pretty for me either. When I'm chronically sleep deprived, um, I don't handle life well. Oh, I don't boy. function right. Yeah. I cry constantly. And I, yeah. And I eventually get to the point. Where I put the baby in the middle of the bed. And I just go, call somebody else. <laughs> I just can't do it. And that's when mom gets called or my sister gets called or and they take the baby and I sleep for a while and then I'm fine. Ooh. Does your sister also live nearby? She lives in East Mesa. Oh, okay. She's not a great help. We don't get along great, but she oh. likes babies. Okay. So if it's a baby, she'll take it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mesa's not too, too far. Um, mm -hmm. How has your religion um, affected your mothering? Wow. A lot. There's a whole lot of praying that goes on when you're a mom. There's a whole lot of asking the Lord what the heck you're supposed to do. There's a whole lot of begging for guidance. Um, my second baby is the product of uh, an attack. And 
there was about five months when I didn't know if I was going to keep him or not or put him up for adoption. And I had my critics that were telling me I needed to put him up for adoption. And I had my bishop and my stake president telling me that at 27 years old, with a steady income and a house that was paid off and already one child and all these things that there was absolutely no reason why I couldn't keep this baby. Even though I was a single mom, like there was absolutely no reason why I couldn't keep him. But it was my decision and they would support me no matter what. That's another way my religion has helped. My bishop and my stake president were amazing have been amazing but um i struggled i went to the temple i prayed with my parents i prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and i had no idea what i was supposed to do with this baby and i never doubted never and even now with his, he's got anger. He's got, he's got a lot of problems. But honestly, out of all my children, he's the only one that I know for absolute certain I'm supposed to be his mom. Wow. The others, I'm just like, am I supposed to be your mom? I don't know how to be your mom. <laughs> but he know I know I'm supposed to be his mom. Oh, that is profound. I have no words. Thank you so much for sharing. And so I know the Lord's not going to leave me. And I know that no matter what, I'm watched over and I'm cared for and I'm going to have help raising these kids, whether it's on this side of the veil or it's on the other side of the veil. The Lord didn't haphazardly send me these kids. He didn't bless me with all the things that I have to make me screw up somehow. You know what I mean? Like he's given me the blessings of a home that's free and clear. And I'm never going to have to worry about somebody kicking me out. And he's given me all these things that make it possible for me to be a stay at home mom. And to raise these kids 24-7. Who how how does that happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm able to stay home with zero income and pay my bills and not take a dime from dad. And I'm here no matter what for those kids. I have no idea how that happens. <laughs> And other kids in our ward come to me because they know.
that my house is always open and they can walk in. I don't know how it happens, but it does. Absolutely sweet. And it sounds like it's you being a stay-at-home mom now is really needed when things are so hard for your teenagers and your middle schoolers. And Well, and I had to be home when there were five kids virtual schooling. Right. Yeah. What else were they going to do? Yeah. So. Yeah, this last year has been hard. (sighs) Yeah. It's been stupid hard. Yeah. This is kind of a, a hard question to ask. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Um, so with Andrew's biological father, on the one hand, he's the biological father, but on the other hand, he attacked you. Um, mm-hmm. Does Andrew have any sort of relationship with him? Mm-mm. Have you had any contact with him since he attacked you? I let him know that he had a child. And I haven't heard from him since. Wow. I'm so sorry. Um, And it's the same with Isaac's biological father. He didn't tell me he was married. Oh, that's pretty gross. I told him that, you know, he wasn't going to have anything to do with me, but he had the opportunity to be a father. And on the morning of the first ultrasound, he turned off his phone and went hunting. He knew about it. I talked to him the night before. He turned off his phone and went hunting. And um, I haven't heard from him since. Oh, my word. Haven't changed my phone number since 98. Mom and dad haven't moved since 62. I'm not hard to find. Mm-hmm. Not a beep. That's pretty gross. You know, so I didn't put names on their birth certificates. And when I married Kevin, he adopted all three boys. And so all of my kids share a last name and all of my kids share a father. And I'm Andrew and Isaac know that their biology is different, but they don't care. And they know that when... They're older. If they want to contact their biological fathers, I'll help them find them. I don't care if they find them. <laughs> They'll learn real quick what kind of people they are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But as far as they're concerned, Kevin's their dad. Isaac was only one when Kevin came. So as far as they know, Kevin's their dad. And everybody calls him dad. They're all Websters and they've all been sealed together. They're all an eternal family. And the day we got sealed was the day I realized I was pregnant with Mary. Oh, sweet Mary. Mm-hmm. Your kids baby girl. are the same as the same. Um, like you have four boys, one girl. And my family is four boys, one girl in the same order. You have three boys, a girl, a boy. And that's how it is my family, too. I'm the fourth kid, but I'm the only girl (laughs) (laughs) out of five. I just remember. I just realized that. (laughs) That's fun. I I tell Mary that at some point she'll be grateful for her brothers. Totally. I love my brothers. I'm so grateful for them. I, at 40, am starting to appreciate my brothers. 
It's taken me a long time. Remind me, how many siblings do you have? Five. So my brother was actually who baptized Mary. Aw. One of my nice. brothers. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so nice. I'm starting to appreciate that. He's way older than me. He's pushing 60. So. Because you're the baby. Mm-hmm. Does Mary um, not get along with her brothers right now? Oh, no. There's lots of elbowing and pushing and shoving. And I didn't do that. And I didn't take it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> As siblings do. <laughs> yeah. So we've kind of separated them. Andrew and Isaac and Will are over here on this side of the house in this huge bedroom. And Tanner and Mary are on the other side of the house. And so there's a lot less of it, but it's still there. What you gonna do? Yeah, you gotta do what you can. Yep. What you gonna do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, oh, going back to a question that I started to ask earlier. Um, once you had kids, did you notice a change in how other people treated you? I don't think so. Okay, that's good. I don't think so. Yeah. Was there a shift in how you saw other people? Um. I definitely got more cautious about people. Just the whole, don't touch my baby, don't take my baby, don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's just the cautious about other people, but I don't think so. Okay. I'm mostly just a really mellow person, so I am who I am. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> What is something that has surprised you about motherhood? I don't know. I guess when they were all younger, I used to think, this isn't as hard as everybody makes it out to be. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's the hardest job you'll ever have. And I used to think, what's so hard about this? When they were like three and one and a baby, you know what I mean? Like, what's so hard about this? Change their diapers and you put them to bed. Like, what's so what's so stressful? I don't understand. <laughs> now I understand. <laughs> they get older and they have bigger kid problems. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, that is helpful insight for me actually because I. I have been so concerned about the newborn phase just because I don't function when I don't have sleep. Like I start fantasizing about killing myself. (laughs) See, like people are like, oh my gosh, newborn phase. You're going to be so busy. They sleep all the freaking time. (laughs) Oh, that's right. You sleep change your kids too. So to make sure you could get sleep. (laughs) Like they sleep and they eat and they poop and they go back to sleep. Like, newborn phase is so freaking easy. And then they get a little bit older, and they're awake a little bit, and then they go back to sleep. <laughs> like, I don't understand what people are so concerned about with the newborn phase. And honestly, after I had my first one, like, I had him. And like an hour later, I felt fine. Whoa. I was like, can I go home now? Because childbirth 
honestly, and I can tell you this with all of them, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, I don't understand people screaming. I don't understand people swearing at their partners. I don't understand any of it because I didn't scream once. I didn't have any trouble pushing them out. And Isaac was huge. And I feel fine when it's done. You feel so much better because the baby's out of you. <laughs> wow, that's kind of amazing. All and five so, kids. Yeah. I came home from having Tanner and went to the grocery store. I came home from having Isaac. I drove myself home from having Isaac. I drove myself to the hospital in labor with Isaac. Oh, my goodness. And I drove myself home two days later. Wow. And I was ready to go home the next day. And my doctor was like, Carrie, take a rest. I was like, what? I want to go home. <laughs> and then and he saw me in the parking lot getting the car seat out of my truck. And he looked at me. He drive he drive by, by me and he rolled down the window and he's like, anybody tell you you had a baby yesterday? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, anybody tell you you're late to work today? I'm ready to go home. <laughs> Anyway, um, with, well, Mary and Will were different because they were C-sections, but I never had any pain from my C-sections. Wow. Like, and I'm in pain all the time. And so, yeah, no, my C-sections were fine. Like, I don't understand the big deal. Like these girls that limp around for six weeks after having a baby. What is that about? Every, when, everybody's, everybody's different. <laughs> when I had Will, they were like, uh, the Relief Society brought in one meal. They didn't offer to bring anything more than that. Brought one meal. <laughs> I don't know. It was a year or so ago. Some little 22-year-old girl in our ward had a baby. And they took her meals for a week. I'm like, she's going to be doing yoga tomorrow. <laughs> Don't even give it <laughs> She's 22. Anyway. Yeah, I never saw childbirth as a big thing. I never saw. That's amazing. Yeah, because you, just... you have a chronic pain issue, right? That's why you said you're in pain all the time. Yeah. 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 But, um, but childbirth and the recovery for you sounds like it was so easy. That's amazing. It was never a problem. That's great. Because I, I do know other people who have had complications that led to serious issues during childbirth and, and or after childbirth. But I'm, I'm amazed that for you, all five kids were so easy. <laughs> yeah, it was stupid. My mama, my mama told me once, she's like, I just don't understand why women scream when they're in labor. So what does screaming do? What good does it do? <laughs> That's what your mom said. That was my mom always said, yeah. And my sister, Julie, always said she never wanted mom there because if she made any, if she started to scream, mom would just go, oh, shut up, Julianne. It doesn't hurt that bad. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so. My mama was with me when I, when I was in labor the whole time with Andrew. Andrew was two months early. Wow. And so I was in labor 
I was in labor on and off for like a week with him. Oh my word. And so finally they just decided to let me have them because my body was just rejecting him and rejecting it and rejecting oh it. And so, um, Andrew was born two months early and mama had left the hospital to go home and check on Tanner and my dad. And right as she left, the doctor came in and said he was going to break my water because he couldn't stop my labor anymore. It had just, we had worn out everything and the baby was getting tired and I was getting tired. And, and I said, well, hold on a second. Let me call mom. So she can come back. And he's like, oh, you have time. And I said, no, let me call her because if she misses it, she's going to be really mad at you. And um, so as he was breaking my water, I called mom and she's like, okay, I'll turn around and come back right now. He broke my water. He stood up and I said, you're not going anywhere. And he's like, oh, no, I have time. You were only at like a two and a half. And I was like, no, you're not going anywhere. We're having a baby right now. And right then, Andrew was born. Oh, my word. Wow. And he was like, well, then. <laughs> and he doesn't think I even got fully dilated before Andrew was born. Andrew was oh, only goodness. four pounds, nine ounces. Wow. And so. Because he's so early. Yeah. Yeah. He was just tiny, tiny, tiny. And the neonatal team took him and took off. And. By the time mom got back to the hospital, everything was cleaned up and I was just in my room all over myself. And mom walked in and she looked around. And she's like, where's your baby? I said, I have no idea. You want to go find him? <laughs> and she went, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and so she went and she found, she found him in the nursery and they were working on him and they, they had to tube him cause he wasn't old enough and they had to do all these things and they gave him medicine to open his lungs and all this stuff. And she was gone about an hour and I'm sitting there like fretting, like you would not believe and freaking out. And I can't get up yet because my legs are numb. And, uh, finally about an hour later, her and the doctor came back and they walked in. And my doctor at that time, it was another guy who <laughs> had two OBs in the ward. Um, it was the other OB in the ward instead of Dr. Leptich. And he walked in and he wasn't active in the church at the time. And he walked in with my mom and my mom looked like she had been crying. And I went, what's wrong with my baby? And doctor, the doctor looked at me and he said, there's absolutely no way to describe what we just experienced in the last hour, except to say that there were angels present and miracles took place. Wow. And I said, okay, so how's my baby? And he said, your baby's perfectly fine. Wow. He said he's on a little bit of breath support. So he had CPAP on his nose, pushing just pressure into his nose. He said, that's all he has. Wow. He said they gave him one dose of surfactant to open his lungs. And he's fine. I said he's not getting jaundiced. He's not, his heart's not being like too weak because it's not fully, you know. No, his heart's fine. His lungs are fine. 
his neuro test came back fine. He's fine. He's wow. just really little. Wow. And I said, I don't think I believe that all the way. It's so small. Uh -huh. I said, I think I need to see that for myself. And he's like, well, you know, let your epidural finish wearing off and you can go down there and see him. And so I did. And I walked down there and I walked into that nursery. And lo and behold, he only had CPAP in his nose. He had an IV for fluids and he had a heart monitor on. Was it? That's amazing. And the next, like midnight that night, I got up and I walked in there. He was born really early in the morning, like five. I got up at midnight and I couldn't sleep. And I walked in there and they had taken him off CPAP. Oh my word. Wow. He was fine. And I was like, what the crap? He's half baked. Uh. Like, how is he half baked and he's doing this? He just wanted to be born, I guess. Wow. <laughs> So that was, that was Saturday. And on Monday, I went back to the hospital. Or right before I, I was released on Monday. The nurse in the NICU said, well, he's eating fine. And he's, you know, he's eating fine. And he's doing great and all this stuff. He's, she's like, so if you bring his car seat back, we'll do his car seat challenge. And if he passes that, then he can go home. Wow. And I said, I don't want him. What? I was like, <laughs> he can stay here until he's a full baby. Like, uh -huh. I don't want to take him home. Uh -huh. And she's like, he's doing fine. There's nothing to be worried about. And so he just had to make sure he didn't stop breathing or drop his stats in his car seat. And so on Tuesday, we did his car seat challenge and he was fine. And so they're like, okay, well, when the doctor comes in in the morning, we'll have him released. Wow. I was like, I don't want him. <laughs> I really, really don't. He's too little. <laughs> and so Wednesday, I brought him home. Wow. And he was so little. He was too little for the preemie clothes. Oh, my goodness. And so we had to buy him doll clothes. Oh, my goodness. Oh. And yeah, he was, I, I remember I walked into mom's house and I set the car seat on the table and she was like, Ooh, baby. And she came walking over and she looked at him in the car seat and how small he was. And she was like, take him back. He's not done. <laughs> and I went, this is what I told him. <laughs> That's what I told him. But he was fine. And he was two months early, and that puts his birthday in that stupid cluster of birthdays in my house. Because all your and kids are born within like a six-week period. Yeah, and Mary's a month early. And Isaac was on time. Tanner was on time. Why did the Lord need to put all my babies right there? <laughs> I am well, in and the my, March, April area. And my... My birthday's on Tuesday, and Kevin's is a few days after that. So the whole, except for Will, the whole freaking family, their birthdays are right there. In the spring. <laughs> They're all spring babies. <laughs> Why did the Lord need to do that to me? Do I need to learn a lesson from this? 
I don't know. When is Will's birthday? December 2nd. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's very different yeah. from everyone else's. Yeah. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this, I, you just kind of have to shrug sometimes. <laughs> what is something you've talked um, about different aspects of mothering that has been hard in your parenting journey that's been hard. Is there anything else you want to add to that? What has been hard about motherhood? I can't think of anything specific. I can't think of anything specific. That's fine. Yeah, it's been kind of peppered throughout. Um, what is something about motherhood that brings you joy? And they come running in with big smiles on their face and hug me and tell me they love me. Oh, so sweet. I think that's my favorite part. When they all come and jump up on my bed and snuggle. Mm, yeah, that's sweet. Even if they're stinky. <laughs> and let me tell you, little boys stink. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I grew up with four brothers, I can remember. <laughs> Think, yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say to someone like me who is um, preparing themselves for motherhood? I would say that 95% of motherhood is just instinct. Oh, okay. And it just comes when it needs to. And, you know, the Lord sends them to us little and really easy to take care of. And they just get a little tiny bit bigger every day. <laughs> and, you know, you don't just jump into the deep end of motherhood. You get to wade in. And so... It's really not as scary as everybody makes it out to be. Even the growing the baby part is a little tiny thing at a time. So you get to start loving the baby tiny bits at a time. But let me tell you, the first time you hear that heartbeat, you're done. <laughs> and it's at that point that you just... You start figuring it out. And it is. It's just a wait in. You start waiting in. That's so. a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> it feels it feels so big. It feels like so much, but it doesn't have to be that. It's, it's just a little. No, and it's not. You're just waiting in. That's good. Thanks. And for Troy, first time he hears that heartbeat, he's done. But I found that if I bought a little Doppler to listen to the heartbeat at home, that helped dad connect better too. Because dad's, dad's out here going, what baby? Uh -huh. I don't <laughs> feel no baby. Yeah. <laughs> My life is just like it was yesterday. Uh-huh. So if dad can hear the heartbeat and connect with baby, it's a lot easier for him too. Instead of just on birthday, 
you go surprise dad here it is you know mm-hmm. what i mean like mm-hmm. and he he'll be fine if that's it but it's a little more scary that way sure they help with the transition the heart mm-hmm. toppler that's a good idea yeah my kids loved it too they loved listening to, to sassy and will's heartbeat oh and they liked poking will <laughs> they they would listen to his heartbeat and they'd poke him and get him to move so they could find his heartbeat again. And yeah, four <laughs> older siblings all poking him. <laughs> yeah. So that's cute. So it helps yeah, uh, older siblings ad- adjust to a new baby coming too. Yeah. That's so sweet. So just remember you're wading in, you're not jumping. Whew, okay. And you got a lot of people around you that love you. That'll help you. That'll teach you how to get your baby to sleep 12 hours a night <laughs> by six weeks old. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me and share all your experiences. I really appreciate it, Carrie. No problem. Carrie, thank you again so much for sharing. I really appreciate your openness and reminder that I do have a lot of people around me that love me. I love you too. I'm still kind of amazed that your attitude towards childbirth was so, what's the word? Nonchalant. Even with your second baby being born two months early, being in labor for a week, and your fourth and fifth babies were born via major surgery, you're still like, meh, childbirth's not that big of a deal. That's kind of amazing because I know for some people, birth can be incredibly traumatic and result in long-term physical damage. But I'm so glad that wasn't the case for you. Thank you for the reminder that motherhood is a process. It's not all at once. I'll just wade in little by little. If you, listener, have any thoughts or questions, or if you want to come on the podcast and share your experiences of being a mom, you can reach out to me, Laura Pruitt, on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Thanks for listening.